Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Thursday, August 1st, 2019, first day of August. July is behind us. And we certainly have kicked off a pretty volatile month. And for the last day of July, first day of August, this would be called what we call a, a reversal day, a reversal day, where the market goes in one direction pretty strong and then completely reverses in the other direction and goes pretty strong the other way. A reversal day can be both positive and negative, you know, depending on what direction it ends up being. So this would be a reversal day on the downside. And unfortunately, following a down day yesterday, but it looked like it was going to be a rally day until Trump put on those extra tariffs on China. Well, that's just the way it is, I guess. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today. I hope you will call me as well, because this show is all about answering your financial question. Because when you call, you take charge. You take charge, you shape the show, you advance the show in any direction you want it to go. And all I have requests is we keep it financial. Okay, that's all I request. And of course, this is all an effort to, for all of us to achieve financial freedom. And we do this with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. When I say independent thinking, I, don't, I mean, we're just not going to just listen to do what everybody else is doing. That's not that, that long term. That does not succeed. It does not. You need to do it yourself. Figure out why things work and you can do it. And if you're listening to the show, you want to do it. Now, we do that with phone calls, of course, and our anytime listener line is open. And I'm taking your calls live right now at 888-99-CHART. We're live 4 to 5 Pacific Time, Monday through Friday. And if you live anywhere near New York, I've, I've opened up another day to visit people. I've had a pretty good response, a very, very good response uh, I've got uh, almost 10, I think 9 or 10 people. I'm, I don't know if I got 10 yet, but I know I have 9 people over the two-day period, so I only have a couple slots, slots left. So if you want to meet me, I'll be in New Manhattan September 19th and 20th, and of course I'm going to stay a few extra days because I'm going to take in the sites. My first real job was in Manhattan, so I know, you know, I know what I want to see. This time I'll have actual money to spend to see sites. When I was first out of college, I had no money, so I couldn't do things. I'd see a play um, on um, on uh, on Broadway was impossible. <laughs> Who could afford that? I couldn't afford that back then. Anyways, uh, so I'm looking forward to staying there a few days, and I'm going to take in a Yankee game over there because you're playing the California Angels, which is my wife's team, my team too, but more hers than mine. Anyways, I'll be there September 19th and 20th. So you can call and get your no-cost portfolio review. Send me an email. Go to investtalk.com and you can just tell me you want a spot and we'll be in touch with you. My main talking point today concerns this story. A few simple steps for millennials, the millennials who want to start investing because they haven't started investing. Not very many. The author says millennials should make sure their financial foundation is sound. Well, how do you do that? We'll, we'll touch on that. 
and they by one of the ways is getting a, getting a handle on three separate factors, and we'll talk about those things. And I've got some other things I want to discuss. I want to discuss the big uh, uh, class action lawsuit that was settled with Equifax. I got some bones to pick with on that. I want to talk about robocalls and how you can avoid them, those stupid robocalls. You know, the people constantly call you at dinner time. And I want to talk about a, a very accurate, very durable bearish, bearish signal, meaning that the market's going to turn down. And that signal is flashing pretty reddish right now. So those things we're going to talk about, of course, you're going to talk about whatever you want. You're going to drive the show in any direction you want to. The market today, the Dow ended up being down 281 points after yesterday's big down day. That's NASDAQ down 64 and the S&P down 27. Now, Justin did the show yesterday because I was in the Bay Area and met with a number of nice, very nice people. I really enjoy meeting different people and hearing different stories. It really is kind of enjoyable for me. The day is a long day. Don't get me wrong, because I fly up first thing in the morning to San Jose and then fly back late at, late at night. So it makes a long day, but it is an enjoyable day. So thank you all for meeting with me yesterday. Okay, so let's go ahead and get to the calls. We got Michael in Florida wants to talk about a particular stock. How you doing, Michael? Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. I was wondering... Well, Bed Bath & Beyond is a deep, deep value play. It's got a really high short ratio and not a lot of debt, a positive free cash flow, and it's got a 6% yield. I was just wondering if the technicals pick up, if you, this would be a deep, deep value play for patients. I think I would. Bed Bath & Beyond, everybody, operates 1,552 Bed Bath & Beyond and other stores in 50 states, D.C., Puerto Rico, and Canada. Um, their earnings... The, the problem is the earnings have been falling for like three years, okay? Uh, and sales have been pretty flat to fall into, but not too bad. But now the stock is a $9 stock. It's going to make $2.06 next year. So that's a 4.5, PE. And that's very, very low. And that's why uh, Michael is talking about being a deep value, because it is. The dividend yield is 7.3%. Now, can they keep that up? Well, 7% of $9 is $0.63, cents, and they're going to make over $2. So, yeah, they could keep that up. So, in answer to your question, Michael, it certainly looks like a deep value play to me. I would wait, though. Uh, you want to make sure that it is already it has hit a bottom, and you really want to understand why are the sales falling? Have they taken what are the steps for that that they've taken to try to turn that around? Now, Steve Tamaras resigned as CEO several months ago. So now the question is, can they turn that company around? That's really what you're asking. There's not a lot of debt. You know, yeah. So the answer is yes, Steve. It looks like a deep value. I would want to see it maybe break above $10 before I, it's a $9, $9 today. Maybe break above $10 before I step into, and the reason why I'm saying that because it got up to about almost $10 and then stopped and fell back down three or four days ago. So it's been, it might be chattering now, and that's what you're looking for. You're looking for sideways action. You get that sideways action, and then what you have is you know a base. And then when you're building a base, that's where it usually starts from to move up. That's what you're looking for, Michael. So uh, yeah, it's a deep value play. Thanks for the call, Michael, I appreciate it. 
You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we present this program with five new shows each way, each week, Monday through Friday. And it is broadcast and streamed live in the 4 to 5 Pacific Time Hour. And I hope you will tell your friends and family. I really appreciate that. Dustin and I try to do our very best to make it interesting and instructive for you. And whenever you have investment questions, I encourage you to explore our podcast library. You can search, you can listen and subscribe and rate the InvestTalk podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all that. You can get it through there. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. Because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Okay, so what were some of the numbers out today? Oil at $57 a barrel, gold at $14.14. It was down, then it bounced back up. It was down big yesterday, it bounced big up, back up where it was. So then two days worth nothing. The 10-year Treasury, the 10-year Treasury rate yield fell to 1.95%. Remember, it's been above 2, just barely above 2. Now it's a 1.95. Okay, and of course, this is proof that foreign money is pouring into America and buying our bonds and stocks, right? Well, remember, we've talked about the inverse yield curve. That's when the 2-year Treasury yield pays more than the 10-year Treasury yield. And every time that's ever happened in our economy, we have gone into a recession. Well, the 10 years at 1.95%. For 10 years, that's how much you get per year. If you bought a two-year, you get 1.84%. That's 11 basis points apart. That's getting really tight. And it's been, I mean, a year ago was two and a half at two years. So the two-year is coming down, but the 10-year is coming down faster. So it may invert if that has a case. It's rare, extremely, well, every time it's ever done that, we've gone into a recession. The 30-year fixed mortgage rate is at 3.75%. That was unchanged from last week. So not, what, not the, what the Fed did didn't move it at all. ISM, Institute Supply Management Manufacturing Number. The ISM has a manufacturing component and a service sector component. The manufacturing sector is not as important as the service sector. But we had the manufacturer component reported today. They report them se- separately, separate days usually. It came in at 51.2 for July versus 51.7 in June. Now, anything above 50 still indicates we're not in a recession, that we're expanding still. So... It's just getting, that's probably one of the lowest numbers. And I mean, it's been going down for three or four months in a row, maybe even longer. I just know it's been the last three or four months. It's going to be going down. So here's what we have. The S&P 500 earnings are up by about 5.7% from last year, the same earnings season, same second quarter earnings season. And reports are coming in strong, and we're probably they're going to they're going to drop like a stone, drop off like a stone now. Now that we're in August, we get fewer and fewer now. Usually in the last couple of weeks of July, uh, the the first month of the second the the first month following the quarter, in the last two weeks of that first month following the quarter is where most of the numbers come flooding in. 
and now they'll start to tail off quickly. Okay, so we'll see how, remember the consumer is a driver, right? The consumer is a driver and they're buying and they're pushing their earnings for companies and the consumer spending in June was up four tenths of 1%, not great, but pretty good. So it doesn't look like the consumer is going to stop. If, for us to go into recession, the consumer has to stop buying. And I don't, you know, they, I don't see it yet. However, I do have something in our one of our talking points that might might be a little red flag again. We got some red flags flying around. We do. Just got to be aware of that. Let's talk to Emike in Cincinnati. Did I say that right, Emike? Yes, Steve. How are you? I'm am good. Thank you. Thank you so much for the knowledge, you and Justin and the team. I have a question for you. I know you just talked about it, about the two-year and the 10-year. With the yield yes. of being this flat, do you think there is any way it will not invest? And also, what will you say in terms of selling some of your stock to try to be more in cash if eventually it and there is a recession? Okay. I think it's a possibility that it won't invert, that it won't invert. So what has to happen? The Fed can't lower interest rates anymore. If it lowers interest rates again, chances are pretty high it won't invert. But what more likely might happen is the rest of the world starts to improve economically because the rest of the world is the one that's in trouble, not us. They're in trouble. And so what's happening is you have money floating out of the rest of the world into the United States because we're a lot better off and we're safer. So we're going to have improvement in economic outlook for the rest of the world, and that may stop the inversion from happening. I think that's what has to happen eventually. But it's not going to be quick. It's going to take, it's going to take time. It, you know, I, I think we have a pretty, at least a 50% chance of inversion. And if you, what you do is you want to, at this point, you want to be defensive in your stock picks or, or at least trim back your holdings and produce some cash so you have some availability. So when that inevitable, in, inevitable fall comes, you'll be ready with some cash to invest when the prices are lower. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. And if you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you've heard me say that I believe every investor should determine their own individual risk tolerance. And of course, we have that risk tolerance questionnaire, and we'll get and we'll score you from zero to hundred your risk tolerance. Eighty being the risk tolerance of the S&P 500. It's easy. It's quick. Just go to investtalk.com. 99 chart. This is Invest Talk. And now more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Steve is here. He's taking your calls live. Step up with your questions now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's go to Shree in Texas. How you doing, Shree? Hi, Steve. I'm good. How are you? I am good, and I thank you for the call. Thank you. The show is awesome. I really learned a lot from this one. Well, good. I'm looking at... You want to talk uh, about Square? Yeah, in Square. Okay, are you thinking about buying it or you already own it? 
Uh, no, I'm thinking of buying it. Okay. Well, let's look a look at. I, I don't know if everybody knows what Square does, but it's a really neat little company. It provides point of sale software to manage receipts, inventory, sales reports with analytics and feedback. It has a little tiny Square device you can put on your cell phone, your pad, and you can run credit cards through it. I think that's a really neat little gadget. <laughs> For some reason, that's what they came up with. Um, but they do other things than that. But that's the thing that they're they're most well known for. Uh, they've been growing very fast. They're still growing very fast. The sales growth with last quarter was 44%. The June quarter, 44%. The quarter before that was 43%. quarter before that was 51%. You know, it's been growing in the 40s for two years on average. Earnings are going up too. The earnings went up 62. They're going to be up 62% this year to $0.76 cents a share and $1.12 next year, another 47%. And, of course, with a company growing this fast, everybody, and Sheree, you should know also, anything growing this fast, both sales and earnings, the price of the thing is going to be high. So, it's an $80 stock going to make $1.12. So, that tells you that that it's a 70 PE. Okay, 70 PE is pretty darn high compared to the rest of the market. Compared to Square, their PE has never been below 93 so for Square, that PE looks cheap next year, but it only will be cheap, Sheree, if they can keep that growth in the 40% high or higher level. If they don't, if they fall below sales growth of 40%, this stock will take a big tumble, but they've been doing it for years. So there's a point where the law of large numbers catches up and they can't do it, but right now, they are able to do it. The stock has traded in a range of $52 a share up to $100 a share this last 12 months. And right now it's at 80 So um, I personally think that you might get a, a, if the market pulls back, Square will pull back with it. And that would be a good place to buy it. I don't know if I'd buy it here, even though it's a very good company, very solid. The numbers are really strong. I don't know if I'd buy it here because it's right in the middle of its one-year range. So it could go either way, higher or lower. Just, you know, from a technical point of view, I'd like to see if I can get it, you know, in the maybe low 70s, maybe the high 60s. And I feel more comfortable with that. But it's a good company, a good picture. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. My main talking point today concerns this particular story. A few simple steps for millennials who want to start investing. Now, these steps can be pretty simple. It doesn't have to be, you know, and you know, rocket science. And one of the first things you do is you got to have some knowledge. You can't just start investing. More and more people that I, that that I know that are starting out, they just buy a stock or two and they think they, they that's how you start it. That's not how you start investing. It is not. You got to have a financial foundation of some kind. Okay, understanding a little bit about economics, understanding a little bit about what drives stocks. Okay, but that foundation you can start to build, that knowledge foundation you can start to build now without putting money to work. You can start saving money to put to work, but don't put it to work yet until you have some of that foundation. Meanwhile, while you're trying to build that foundation of knowledge and you're trying to save some money, you first have to concentrate on paying off your high interest debt first before you invest in the stock market. Did you pay off all your credit card debt? You should have no credit card debt before you start investing in the stock market. Think about it. 
If your credit card debt is 14% interest, anywhere from 14 to 21% interest, that's what it usually runs. If it's 14% interest and you pay off off, isn't that like making 14% on your money? Because you don't have to pay it. You get to put that back in your pocket. See, there's a way you look at it and say, well, wait a minute. I can't make 14% of the stock market. So why am I paying 14% or higher for debt? It makes no sense. So pay the debt off. Number two, have a, you have to build an emergency fund. Three to six months of your expenses, depending on how solid your job is and how reliable your expenses are on your recurring expenses, save money to put aside for that. Okay, then you can start thinking about investing. Now. There are things, the easiest way to start is through your 401k. If your employer is going to match money, your money, you put in 4%, they put in 4%, you do that regardless of the debt you're in. You do that first because that's free money. That's 100% return on your money. This is how you should look at it. I put in 4%, they're going to give me 4%. That's 100% return. You can't beat that anywhere, anytime, anywhere. So you do it. Do the 401k, 457, 450, whatever you have. And there's other things you could do. Maybe we can get into them later in the show. On tomorrow's Invest Talk, after the Fed rate cut, this group outperforms the rest of the market. One sector could be the surprising winner. Hmm. Earlier this week, I talked about the history of the New York Stock Exchange. Remember that? 1817 when it started, remember? In a coffee shop. Okay, for my trivia question today, what is the second largest stock market by capitalization? Stock market index, the market. What is the second largest? New York is the largest. 888-99-CHART is my number. To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call Talk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go-to research tool? YCharts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable. YCharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use YCharts every day. YCharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds, indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YChart has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to a giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bluebird Terminal. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning-fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious. Get YCharts.
This is Invest Talk. We've started a new trading month, and Steve Peasley has returned from San Jose. But due to strong demand, Steve will return to San Jose again on August 29th. He'll be conducting his no-cost portfolio reviews. And if you live anywhere in the New York area, Steve will meet with listeners in Manhattan on September 19th and 20th. You can register free at investtalk.com. But now Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Okay, before the break, I asked a trivia question. Uh, what is the second largest? We know the New York Stock Exchange is the first largest, okay? But what's the second largest stock exchange by market capitalization? And when was it founded? The answer is the NASDAQ, of course. The two exchanges in New York City, the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ, number one and two. What's really interesting, I think, is when the NASDAQ was formed. It was only formed in 1971. That's only 48 years ago, and it's at $10 trillion. Now, it was the world's first electronic stock market. And initially, the NASDAQ was just a quotation system. It wasn't, you didn't do trades or anything. It just quoted prices, okay? And did not provide a way to make those trades. That changed, of course. Uh, The NASDAQ has approximately 3,900 stocks listed on them, okay? NASDAQ is known to be the higher tech stock. And generally speaking, you'll find that the NASDAQ has um, uh, three or more, three or four uh, 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 letters for stock symbol, whereas uh, New York, one, two, sometimes three. But the NASDAQ has more, usually. Not always, but usually. Let's go to Cindy in the Bay Area. How are you doing, Cindy? Thanks for taking my call. I want to know what Thank you think you. about FDIS is the ETF and what's a good entry point for it. Okay. Uh, this is Fidelity and discretionary, consumer discretionary ETF. Exchange traded funds seeking results according to the uh, consumer discretionary index. Okay, so what you're picking here is a discretionary index, meaning as opposed to the um, consumer staples index. Discretionary index means these are full of companies that sell goods and services that people don't necessarily need, but they use. Where staples, uh, consumer staples, is things that people need. The difference being like, well, you need soap to wash or diapers to change your baby's you know, diapers, but you don't need to go to the movies. You don't need to buy clothes. You know, there's certain things that, that, so discretionary. So you have to decide, do I want to be in this part of the market, the discretionary? And I will tell you this, it's never a good idea to be in the discretionary part of the market in a late economic cycle. So are we in our late economic cycle? Then you'd rather be in the uh, in the staples ETF, where people have to buy drugs, they have to buy food, you know, that's a safer place to be in a late economic cycle. In an early economic cycle, or in a recession, that's when you start thinking about buying uh, discretionary, because then people are going to start getting jobs and stuff. Now, that doesn't mean it won't work 
you know, in a late economic cycle, because how late is a late economic cycle? I mean, how long will it go? And this one has been very, very long so far, longest one we've ever had from a, a, a recession. So, I, I, Cindy, I wouldn't buy it simply because it's, I know it's late in the economic cycle. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the ETF. It's just I think it's the wrong timing. Okay? Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. This is Investoc. I'm, you know, people, you probably ask me, well, how do I know all that? How do I know? Well, if you took the Investment Academy lessons, and when I talked about the economy, you would see charts showing the relationship between uh, the economic cycle and the stock market cycle, and then you would see a relationship of what sectors work and what sections of the economic cycle. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a learned thing. It's not something I make up. You'll learn it. Okay? And it takes time to learn these things. It does. Anyways, I'm Steve Peasley, everybody. And, you know, you all, we all have, many of us have 401ks or 457s or whatever in, in, you know, while we're working. And, you know, most people have, don't understand exactly how and what they should buy in those 401ks. Well, me, maybe we can help you. At KPP Financial, we have a math-based model guide system. We call it Active 401k, an Active 401k program. And we monitor and advise it, and we monitor and advise you on what you should buy and how much and what percentages in your 401k, depending on what's going on in the, in, in the economic cycle and the stock market, just as we talked about. You can read about more about it, active401k at investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. A quick reminder, if there's a term that you hear mentioned on the program, but you're unclear about what it means or you have a question about it, we want you to ask. It's very likely that you're not the only one with that same question. 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Michelle. I'm 33. Uh, I just got out of a meeting with a financial broker. He was recommending that I put my money in a index universal life plan with a living benefits insurance plan attached. Um, I was just wondering if that's something that I should look into. No. <laughs> I, I, um, it's not so, I don't like I don't like those universal lives. I don't like the, the, the I don't like insurance products pretending to be investment products. Why? Because they're sold to you and they pay a lot of commission and they're expensive. They hide a lot of fees. They generally don't perform like you think they're going to perform. And I know the sales pitches. I used to work for an insurance company in New York City. That was my first job and career was in Manhattan working for a Globe Insurance Company. It was a big English insurance company. So I understand what they're selling. You want, if you need life insurance, go buy term life. And then take the premium difference and go buy your own index. You don't need to buy a universal life index product. You don't need to do that. You won't, you won't be better off. You'll be better off buying insurance through term life, which is much cheaper if you need it. If you need it. You sounded young. Do you need it? Do you have a family? Do you need to protect uh, your salary? If something happens to you, so you have to have a need for life insurance. And if you do, buy term life. Then take the difference in the premium and invest it in your own index. 
That's what the insurance company's doing, by the way. Think about it. What are they selling you? They're selling you a product, insurance plus they're selling you investments. Well, why can't you? Why do you? What do you think they're going to do with the premium you give them? They're going to invest it. So, you know. Anyways, eight 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 ninety nine chart eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Okay, class action lawsuits. I want to I want to talk to them about them in general, but in specific, But I want to use a specific example, and that's the Equifax. Remember the Equifax with all the uh, the breach of information, and they were sued. Class action lawsuit, and the agreement was that you could either get one hundred twenty five dollars from them, or big whoopee, one hundred twenty five dollars, or you can get, uh, I think it was three years credit, uh, uh, free credit monitoring, whatever that ex- whatever that meant. Well, it turns out there's so many people making claims that the $125 you're going to get, you're not going to get it. It's more like $10. Okay. So, my comment on class action lawsuits is, this is how they all work. Every time you see a big settlement, oh, huge billion dollar settlement, hundreds of millions of dollars going to you, the public. You know who gets paid that gets the money? The attorneys get the money. They get huge millions of dollars in their pocket. The, the attorneys are suing, doing, make, taking, you know, taking the, 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 the class and suing whoever they're suing. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't do it, but never do you and I, the consumers, get anything worth anything out of these things. It's just, to me, it's, it's, we should get... I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. I really don't. But class action lawsuits, I see a lot of frivolous ones out there. But even the ones that are right, that they should, like this one, that they should pay. Something should happen. It's not, it's a, it's nothing to you and me as the consumer. Attorneys make a fortune, but not you or me. They said they were going to give us 125 bucks if you were part of the class. Now you probably get pennies, dollars, ten bucks because there's so many people making a claim. So of course the FTC who who uh, who who uh, worked out the deal, they're telling you to take the the uh, the credit monitoring. You know what that means? That means they're they're trying to sell you something. Okay, you get three years of credit monitoring, and then after that, well, you want to keep up your credit monitoring, so you know you need to pay this much money. It's a sales technique for. Equifax, they're going to get lots of sales from this eventually. Have you noticed that your private information is not protected anywhere anymore? Be very careful with it. Okay, let's go ahead and get another call on the line. 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Doug out here in Colorado. Love the show. Had a question on Align Technologies, A-L-G-N. It has had a pretty steep pullback here lately. Was wondering if that was a good value play or if it is a falling knife. Thanks. I'll listen to the program. Have a good one. Bye. Okay. Um, the reason why you had a big pullback, that you, you, whenever you look for a, um, a stock that, whenever you see a stock that has a big crash, a pullback, it did something, you want to know why. And you want to know if that's a ongoing problem or it's just a one-time thing and so on and so forth. Well, it looks like this may have been that they're going to align technology announces a 200 million accelerated stock 
repurchase program. So that's not the cause of the pullback. New strong sales stocks. Were, I'm trying to find out why did it fall? Uh, it recovers after tanking last week. Okay, so it tanked last week. But I'm trying. It might have been earnings because we are we are in the earnings season. That would be my guess. Okay, Align, Te- Align Technology (ALGN) develops a proprietary system for treating malacolosis. I don't know. Um, um, misaligned of teeth, okay? Malocclusion, malocclusion or the misalignment of teeth. So, a proprietary system for treating that. It's a $16 billion company. Uh, it seems to be pretty darn expensive. So, I just don't know. You know, it's a 43 PE. They're earning, they've made lots of money and they make money. They continue to make money and they're going to make $6.38 next year, $5.16 this year. So those are the estimates. They made $4.92 a share last year. Sales are growing 20 to 25% per quarter. So the numbers are pretty decent and that's why it's selling for a high Ford PE. Um, it looks like the stock finds support right around the $200 level. It looks like it's, and it's at 202 right now. For me, it's probably a bit too rich and I'd have to look into why the fall. Why did it fall so sharply? It fell $270 down to $210 in one day. That's like 20%. I don't care for that. Why? Why? So you're dealing with a pretty volatile stock here. Uh, will it go back up? Who knows? Um, probably if it can maintain those sales. But find out why it fell like that last um, oh, last late October. It fell the same kind of move from 290 down to 220. You know, a gap down one day like that, just like it did a few days ago. I find out why. You want to know why. Okay. Okay, the cable company cord cutting is cable companies are getting a little bit worried. Uh, in the second quarter, a three-month period over a one hundred and one and a quarter million customers cut their cable. They ditched cable TV. They got rid of it. So they're abandoning Comcast, AT&T, and turning to streaming options. The streaming stocks are doing pretty well. Roku, AT&T, Spotify, Netflix, Comcast. Disney's coming out with theirs, right? Pretty soon. Uh, These companies are picking up all the business. So um, there's going to be a government official report tomorrow, which is, you know, which which would be interesting. We'll see. So anyway, I think you should should be very careful if you're thinking about buying cable companies. Uh, ADP reported private payrolls, okay? Uh, 156,000 new jobs in July. That's what they said. The official number comes out tomorrow. The estimate was 450. And remember, the ADP is only private, uh, not public jobs, just private sector jobs. Tomorrow we get the official report is private and public sector jobs. So we'll see. I think that's supposed to be about 165,000. So we'll see what that comes out. That still is, those are pretty darn good numbers. Those are numbers that tell you the economy is still growing, if we get that. If we get us a big surprise on the downside, let's say we only produce 25,000. Expect the market to go down more. It'll add to yesterday's and today's losses. If we get the 165 or more, expect the market to go up. 
This is The Best Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. So get your questions ready. Get them in. 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, after the Fed rate cut, this group outperforms the rest of the market. One sector could be the surprising winner. That story tomorrow. But now, Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, I'm a new investor with a small amount of money invested in index funds. And I was looking to diversify my portfolio a little bit slowly. And I had a question about ticker symbol AMD. It's seen a lot of growth in the past couple years and it's projecting good growth. And I was just wondering if you think it's a good investment. Thank you. I would say uh, not at this time. Not at this time. No. Advanced Micro Devices designs microprocessing embedded media graphics processors and chipsets for computers and consumer devices. These things, this sector is very cyclical and we're late in the economic cycle and the sales are falling in the last two quarters. Sales have been falling while earnings have gone up, but sales are falling. You can't have continuing earnings going up when sales are falling. So I would not, this would not be a, a buy for me. They topped right around $34, and it topped last September at $34, fell all the way down to 17, 17, that means to cut, cut in half everybody in the fall from October last year to the bottom, the end of the year. Then all this year worked its way back up. The last couple, three days, it's fallen from 34 down to 29.86. So no, you do not buy this now. You buy it when it's 17. If I can teach you guys anything, is you be patient. Be patient. You want to buy stocks that are not overpriced. If a stock is cyclical, in other words, tied to the economic cycle, when it's late in the economic cycle, you don't, and it's a cyclical stock, you do not buy it. Because chances are you'll buy this and it'll go right back down to 17 in a year from now. And you'll say, why am I buying in the stock market? The stock market is a place to lose all your money. Well, that's because you're buying wrong. <laughs> you want to buy it when it's on sale. AMD is a great company. It's a $32 billion company. It's great. Doesn't pay any dividend, but it's a great company. But it's very cyclical. Don't buy it here. Too expensive. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. And don't take anything I say personal, everybody. I'm just trying to teach. Okay, robocalls. We all hate robocalls. I know I hate them. How do you avoid them? How can you get rid of them? Is it possible? Well, a little, a few facts. There were 48 billion robocalls last year. 48 billion. That means there's 146 calls for every man, woman, and child in the United States. And it's going up. The number of calls are going up. Two out of five of those calls, two out of five were scams. Scams. Now, I got scammed. I, well, let me rephrase that. I wasn't scammed. But I got one of these robocalls, and the latest scam that they have, I got, I get, they attempted it on me. And what it is, this is what they're doing. The latest scam is they call you up and say they're from the uh, government. 
And this time they're from the uh, Social Security Administration. It's a recording. And they're saying that they've noticed uh, a disturbing activity using your Social Security number and they have suspended your number. And to find out more details, please call this number. Don't, the government never calls you. The IRS doesn't call you. The Social Security Department doesn't call you. No government calls you about anything. They send letters. So don't even answer that phone. So how do you avoid it? Most of us just don't answer. You just don't answer. If you don't recognize the number or the voice, just don't answer. You let that machine take it over. But you can also, you can also go to the National Do Not Call Registry and, and register your phone number. Or www.donotcall.gov or call 888-382-1222 and you can register your phone to not receive these calls. But it will not get rid of all the calls. It will get rid of some of them. But not all. Okay. Thought I'd share that with you today. I got that call. It was funny. You know, I'm thinking, oh, it sounded pretty official. I was, oh, my social security number? No, what am I thinking? It, the government doesn't call people. They don't call you. <laughs> I mean, but it, it, just for a second, it made me pause. Just for a second. So I can see how I could, you know, rope people in. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. I'll be back tomorrow to share highlights from the KPP Premium Newsletter. And please tell your investor friends about my show, our show, Justin and my show. I really would appreciate it. And thank you, everybody in San Jose. I will be returning to San Jose August 28th, by the way. So if you want to set up an appointment, you still can do it August 28th. New York City, September 19th and 20th. You can register now at investtalk.com. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-1222.